sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends, grace to you and peace from God. From God who humbles us, who liberates us, who welcomes us, who reforms us, and who never leaves us. Amen. Today is Reformation Sunday, and uh, we are talking about some of the the basic uh, pieces of the story of Martin Luther today. And in our children's talk, uh, we talked about his his trip, uh, his commitment. It wasn't just a trip; it was a commitment to the Augustinian monastery. How he went to become a monk, and uh, and we talked about his great fear of an angry God that that started really uh, well. It's everywhere, um, but his great discovery of grace in the in the pages of Scripture, and his reliance on that, and and it took him to such a place as standing up to the church. Um, what I hope you go away with, again, uh, is, is Luther 101. Luther did not break off from the church. I want to make sure all children know that and can correct adults when they say it. Because <laughs> I still hear adults say, Luther broke off and started his own church. We should break off and start. Luther never wanted to break off and start his own church. Luther loved his church. He simply wanted, not simply, profoundly, wanted to reform his own church. He said, look at this in Scripture. Look at Paul's letters. We are saved by grace. Uh, uh, not, not dependent on our works. We're saved on account of Jesus Christ, on his suffering love, on his life, death, resurrection. This is what makes us right with God, not anything that we do. And the church wasn't having that at that time. And he was excommunicated. <laughs> so Luther didn't break off from the church. He was excommunicated. Lutheranism 101, please, please. Luther didn't break off. He was excommunicated. What I'd like to do today, a little bit different in terms of a sermon format, I'd like to share some lessons that I learned in my own travels to the Luther lands of Germany and, and through my own studies. But, but all this really came out of that trip that I took in 2012 with Shepherd of the Valley, where I was serving in the San Diego area, and, um, and, and tons, of, tons of knowledge and, um, and insights came out of that trip. But, um, but these are four real nuggets, and I want to share them with you today. The first is, is hate the gold plating. Hate the gold plating. Luther was gold-plated almost as soon as he died. And we see this with a number of saints and, and, and great figures in history, and particularly in the church. This happened when we visited the Wartburg Castle. There were a bunch of commemorations also there, not just to Luther, but to Elizabeth of Hungary, who had lived and worked in that area, and she had been gold-plated as well. I just mean all these monuments go up after the person dies. And we, if, this is, if I might use a made-up word, we, we 
we pedestalize people. We put them up on such a pedestal. We say, oh, look how great they were. We could never be like that, but let's honor them. Of course, we want to honor our loved ones and the saints that have gone before us through history and time, but the gold plating to take people who especially advocated care for those uh, who were on the margins, those who were poor, those who are underserved, those who are discriminated against throughout their lives and simply turn them into a gold-plated statue. You see? As opposed to say, did you know there's an orphanage that's established in Eisenach? That's where the Wartburg Castle is. There's, a, there's, a, there's an orphanage there um, that's established after Luther's death. How about those living legacies? instead being lifted up. That's how we can honor, that we, we take from them and we learn and we practice that humility and that, that action and, and justice work that they modeled throughout their lives. This is totally aside, but the same thing happens with Francis of Assisi. Here's this guy who did all this amazing work and ministry in his life, and as soon as he dies, this golden basilica, so if you will, this huge... He never wanted that. He never would have approved of that. The best way to, to honor his legacy, you know? Hate the gold plating, number one. <clears throat> number two lesson from my travels and studies in Germany, do campus ministry. The Luthers, I say Luthers, Martin and his wife Katie, were campus ministers. There are buttons that you'll see at church gatherings, you know, at synod assemblies and things. Luther was a campus pastor. <laughs> I, I, I had to go there to Wittenberg to really understand this because we saw the, the space. Wittenberg was a university town. And Luther was never the pastor of a church. He was never the called pastor like I am here at Bethlehem. He, he never, he guest preached all over the country. But, but he never, and he guest preached a lot at the two churches in Wittenberg. But he was never the pastor of those churches. He was uh, doing campus ministry. What I mean by that is he was housing students. They had a nice house, good-sized house at that point in their lives, and they had a big table, and they would gather students all the time. And campus ministry is about hospitality. It's about healthy and, and, and passionate dialogue. I mean, how much do we grow and stretch in college? <laughs> This is true. I mean, there's different ways that you can you can do this, but but they, Katie Luther brewed beer, <laughs> and that was a big part of their conversations. Loosen people up. It was also refreshing in these hot German days, you know, <laughs> or or warming, you know, in the cold German nights. And they would sit around the table. They would talk for hours. So important. Um, they also grew local produce. Uh, they grew produce. I, of course, it was local because it was grown right there. And they would feed, they would feed the students. Uh, they were very much interested in supporting local businesses and lifting up the local economy, making sure nobody was exploited. They were interested in ethical business practices. This is under this banner of do campus ministry. They were into keeping students safe giving them food, giving them a place to sleep, offering worship, that's part of it too, and being community. The best people I know are campus pastors, to be honest. 
campus ministry. It makes you wonder nowadays, why aren't we as a larger church body supporting the work of campus ministries around the country? Those are always the ministries in the ELCA that are struggling the most because college students, they don't have the resources. They don't have the funds. They don't have big money and big purses to build big buildings. And yet these ministries are incredible around the country. And they rely on the gifts of the church, the larger church, to keep them funded. That was Luther. Luther relied on the gifts of, of those around him to keep him funded. He didn't really have a job, but, you know, he, they, they made it. They made it work. This is at the heart of what it literally means to be Lutheran. Katie and Martin Lutheran do campus ministry. Third, you got to preach the gospel. You have to preach the gospel. Here's how to preach a sermon. Share God's love and forgiveness and mercy and welcome. Luther was passionate about the preaching moment. He said someone's got to get up when the scripture is read. Someone then has to get up and expound on the scripture. And ironically, I'm not doing that well at all today. We read from John today, and I'm not talking about John, I'm talking about Luther. So this probably isn't a great sermon because I'm not expounding on the scripture. Um, every Sunday, that's exactly what I want to do, and I know, and I'm claiming something a little different here today. But someone's got to say something about this text for the current day. <clears throat> Luther did that. Even if his interpretation, some of them, his scholarship differs from Lutherans today. He, and, and that's because Luther looked up from the pages of Scripture too. Someone's got to look at the text and then look at the world in front of him or her or them and say a good word from God. One model for a sermon if you imagine the, the, the shape of the Christian fish, you know, the ichthus, that, that symbol, powerful symbol of Christians, <clears throat> especially in the early church. And if you pointed that fish down so that the nose is pointed down, that's a nice visual for the model of a sermon in that sermons are law and gospel. Lutheran preaching is law and gospel. And so the law is what kind of brings us down. If you imagine starting at the tail tip end of the fish and moving down to the nose, the, God, the law is, is the ways that we are broken and sinful, that we are lost and, and feeling forsaken. Uh, look at, and it's not just individual. Look at the whole world. Look at the way we practice. Sometimes it's just holding a mirror up to us, you know, talking about the law. You talk about the law, but then at that nose of the fish, the sort of rock bottom, then we need the gospel. Don't leave me down. Don't bury me in the law, but give me the gospel. This is Luther. This is Lutheran preaching. What's the gospel? My preaching class in seminary, the whole class was guided by that question. What's the gospel? In all of our texts, what's the gospel? And if you didn't hear the gospel in the sermon, then you got a failing grade. It didn't matter how good and eloquent and well you know, put together your sermon was. Did you hear the gospel? The professor would ask as we'd listen to each other's sermons. Powerful lesson. Do you hear the gospel? I ought to lose my job if you're not hearing the gospel 
week to week on Sunday morning. So just to be clear, let me share what the gospel is. The gospel is that God loves you and there's nothing that you can do about it. The gospel is that God promises you eternal embrace. God is with you now. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you are already welcomed and redeemed. You are called. You are fed by this goodness and grace, and you are sent out. That's the gospel. <laughs> Not just how bad of a person you are, or I am, or anybody else is in the world. That's, that's all law stuff. And we need to hear that sometimes. In fact, I often get more accolades when I come down heavy on the law and miss the gospel because people say, oh, thank you for that swift kick, pastor. I needed that. Thank you. You know, <laughs> the gospel is tricky because it sounds kind of fluffy, kind of, oh, yeah, I know, I know. God loves us. Yeah, yeah. it's cute. God loves us. Or something. Yeah, yeah. How do you preach it in a way that it sticks? That's the challenge for the preacher. I give thanks for that challenge all the time. Preach the gospel. This is Luther. Point to Christ. And finally, maybe this is slightly more fun, but um, take a hike. <laughs> Lesson from Germany. Take a hike. Luther lived in the later part of his life, well, for the rest of his life. Once he settled in Wittenberg, he was there. But he traveled all the time to Leipzig, which is about 20 or 30 miles away. So he would take, it would take him a couple days to walk that journey, but he did it all the time. And I, as we drove that route from Leipzig to Wittenberg and back, I was struck, I was really struck by thinking about Luther doing that on foot, maybe on horseback sometimes, but mostly on foot. And, and all the thoughts that he must have had as he did that walking. Just the, the beauty that he took in at the different times of year that he did that walk. Luther said that everything was, everything is filled to the utmost with God. That's a Luther quote. Filled to the utmost with God. Everything is filled to the utmost with God. All the creatures. God shows up however God wants to. And there's books coming out now about how Luther might have actually been a mystic. <laughs> in that being a mystic is seeing God, seeing the holy in all things, if that's your definition of being a mystic. It's a new idea because everybody thinks, oh, Luther, the German theologian, is very systematic, very, you know. I tend to think he was also a mystic. So take a hike, not, not necessarily literally, but maybe be outside, re receive the lessons and the joys from the creatures from the trees, get exercise. Yeah, all that's part of it. Take a hike. What it means to be Lutheran is take a hike. I think even more than that, on a literal sense of take a hike, because not everybody can take a hike. It's true. Trails are difficult to navigate and things. But continue to move in your thinking. Continue to reform and be reformed. Continue to stretch and journey. That's what it means to be Lutheran, is that we're always in a procession, and we're not alone in that procession. We are together with the company of saints, those who have gone before us, those who are with us now. So, in summing up, 
what it means to be Lutheran. <laughs> it's not one simple thing, but but worship. Worship, care for each other, serve those who are poor, educate. Not in a gold-plating, glitzy way. Do you remember Nadine Jones of Blessed Memory? Nadine said in our 60th anniversary video, I love this part, she said, we're not a glitzy church. Bethlehem's not a glitzy church. We never have been. We're not now, and I don't think we're going to, as far as I can tell. And my hope is that we always stay rooted and firmly grounded. That's Nadine. We're not a glitzy place. We're not a gold-plating kind of place. It's a simple life. It's a humble life. That's what it means to be Lutheran. And also, it means keeping our roots in campus ministry, that hospitality, that safety, that dialogue. Great volumes called Table Talk. Just struggling through issues and, and having fun while doing it. It means being gospel-centric. In fact, I was taught... I was taught when you don't see the gospel in the text, then preach Christ against the text. When you don't see the gospel in the, the Bible itself, if you're reading one week and you're just not seeing it, this is all law. This is all how I'm a terrible person and should be better or the world is terrible and it should be better. If you don't see it, then you preach the living Christ against those, those pages, those words. That's powerful. That's powerful. Gospel-centric. That's what it means to be Lutheran. Luther wanted to throw out the book of James because he did not see the gospel there. I actually, I actually do see the gospel in the book of James, but he did not because James says faith without works is dead. So he was so bold as to say that whole book needs to be tossed out. I don't see the gospel there. I don't see the redeeming grace, love, peace of Jesus. So, it's an epistle of straw. That's what he called it. Preach the gospel. And finally, hikers in Christ. Stay grounded. Stay on the journey. Always reforming. Always evolving. Always in procession together. Friends, it's not a perfect heritage that we are part of. That needs to be said too. Luther said some terrible things and the trajectories of those terrible things horrific. We must be honest about the history. But there are riches there that must not be lost. The humble Christ at the center, ready to forgive you, ready to offer you grace through the word and the sacrament, the community, and, and God showing up any old way God wants to, on a hike and, or otherwise. That is who we celebrate this day and always. That is who we rest in. That is who we receive. Thanks be to God. Amen. at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day.
Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. <laughs> okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You could edit.